Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the cross. Thank you so much that we can have an eternal home in heaven because of you. Father, as we think about that today and as we reflect even on the message that Peter preached from last week, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand who you are, and Father, because of that, surrender our lives to you. Father, we're so grateful for all the things that you've done for us. Thank you so much for the opportunities that you've given us even this week. I pray that, Father, your will would be accomplished in our lives each and every day. And Father, we'll pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This may sound like a dumb question to start out with, but as always, I'm going to ask you to hear me out, okay? So don't, don't make any major judgments right away, all right? I want you to raise your hands. How many of you like it when things go well? <laughs> kind of a dumb question, right? I understand. Most of us like it when things go well. I mean, everything's running smoothly. There's enough money in the bank, right? It's not in the negative, right? Not an overdraft. There's hardly any conflict in your family or in your, in your household or extended family or work. Everything's running really smoothly. Your children are behaving. Wouldn't that be wonderful, wouldn't it? I'm talking about your adult children too, all right? They're behaving. Things are going really, really smoothly. It's like, ah. It's that peaceful feeling. Everything's going so, so well. Now, raise your hand again. How many of you would love for things to run smoothly all the time? Okay, all right. This is a participation event, all right? All right, now, you don't necessarily have to raise your hand for this because I think I know the answer. How many of you, everything always runs smoothly for you? It doesn't, does it? We would love it if all the time everything ran smoothly. No hiccups, no barriers, no waves, no rocking the boat, just smooth sailing. We love it when things go well. We love it. Do you ever wonder, though, why? Why do things run well? You ever wonder that? I'm weird. I like to ask why all the time. I didn't growing up, which is really interesting. My brother was, and I watched my brother ask why all the time, to which my mom hated. And so I just realized that's probably not a good thing. But now I get to ask why about just about everything. So I ask myself the question, why? Why do things run well? Some of the best advice I ever received when I first started ministry was this. Most people only ask why when things go wrong. But it is far better to ask why when things are going right. Far better. Most of us, things are running along smoothly and then all of a sudden, Man, uh, the wheels fall off, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? What am I doing wrong? We begin to double-check our life and think through things and ask ourselves, what did I do wrong? What went wrong? Hear me, it is far better to ask yourself why when things are going well. Why are things going well? Why do I have enough money in the bank? Why are my children behaving? Why don't I have any conflict? Begin asking yourself that question. In Acts chapter 2, as of right now, things in the church at Jerusalem are going really, really well. Peter just preached a message, and 3,000 people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 
I mean, things are going so well. Thousands of people are there in Jerusalem for Pentecost, and thousands of people are accepting Jesus Christ as their way to heaven. Things are going really, really, really well. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Acts 2 and 41, the Bible says this, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Notice this. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued, notice, daily, daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, notice this, daily such as should be saved. Listen, this was a spectacular time to be alive. Things were running so well. In fact, most of us look at this passage of scripture and just go, man, I wish I was there for that. Wouldn't it have been nice to be a part of that? Wouldn't it have been nice to be in that time? We, we epitomize this moment in history as the, as the litmus test for all churches. Are you seeing 3,000 people saved in one sermon? Are you seeing people added to the church every single day? The reality is, most are not. Things are going really well, so well right now, it's actually astonishing. Wow. This is amazing. It's so astonishing that without commandment, without coercion, the people start selling things and using the proceeds to help other people out. That's amazing. Think about that. Again, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you read Acts chapter 2 and you just go, yeah, 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 they did that. I want you to stop and think about it. I want you to seriously imagine this with me today. People from all over are gathered in Jerusalem and they're coming to Jesus. And they're all becoming a part of the church at Jerusalem. There are many of them that have needs. All kinds of different needs. They have daily essential needs that they cannot fulfill. And so the people that have are essentially finding a way to share what they have with the people who don't have. So I want you to look around the room today. Go ahead. You don't have to look at me right now. Look around the room today. And look. I guarantee you the person that sits across the room from you has a need. The person who sits next to you, most likely your spouse or somebody in your family, that person has a need. These people were in the business of meeting other people's needs. So much so that the Bible says here that they were selling their possessions and goods. In Acts chapter 4, it says that they're selling their houses and their lands. Let's go there. Acts 4.34. Acts 4.34. The Bible says this, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses, look at this, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Do you get that? 
Now, I want you to just straight up imagine. And if you're thinking, oh, he's going to ask us to sell our houses before the end, I'm not, okay? But I want you just to think about this. They were so passionate about this that they sold their homes and their lands and anything else they could get their hands on, and they sold it. And what did they do? They brought it into the church, and they gave it to the apostles and said, do what you have need with. And the apostles knew that so-and-so over here needed some food, and the apostles knew that so-and-so over here needed something else. And this was absolutely incredible. Can you imagine that at Bible Baptist Church today? Pretty hard for us to imagine it, isn't it? Let's be honest. This truly would be a sight to behold. Hey, you need a place to stay? I got a room for you. Hey, you need some clothes? Let's go out and we'll buy some together tomorrow. Hey, you need some food? Why don't you come over for dinner today? And you know what? That so-and-so will take care of you the next day, and so-and-so will take care of you the next day. You need some groceries? We'll pick some out for you. People were actively meeting the physical needs of other members in the church. I really want to sit here and focus on this today. I want to focus on this point. There's an old saying that says this. Sharing is what? Caring. We all know it. Sharing is caring. Let me ask this question. Why do we share? Or maybe a better question is, why don't we share? But let's think positively. If people are sharing, why do we share? Well, I've identified just a couple. We share to help. <laughs> Duh. It's not abnormal, right? We share to help. We see somebody that has a need, and what do we do? We want to help meet that need. We want to give of ourselves. We want to give of our time, our effort, and we want to help that person. You know what else sharing does and what it helps us do? It helps us build trust. Build trust. Listen, when you share something, you are entrusting that to them. I've borrowed many things in my life. And I take it with great seriousness that this is someone else's item and I better take great care of it. They are entrusting it with, to me. It builds trust. And you know what happens? When they want to ask for something next, guess what I'm willing to do? I'm willing to share with them. We're building trust. We show, oh excuse me, we share to show that we care. So sharing helps. Sharing builds trust. And sharing shows that we actually care about other people. For those of us who might ask this question, well, what's in it for me? Right? That's what we ask. Why would I share? What's in it for me? C.S. Lewis said this, nothing is really ours until we share it. Nothing is really, truly ours until we share it. You see, we have a generation of people who are consumed with holding on to what they have. Consumed with it. In fact, not only holding on to it, but let's get more of it. We're consumed with it. Every purchase we make is with the thought of how can I hang on to this? How can I get more? We're consumed with consumerism. We grip it as tightly as we can. And all the while, as tight as we grip it, it's like sand in a clenched fist ever slipping through our fingers. John D. Rockefeller, when he was at the height of his riches, he was asked, how much money is enough money? Just 
one dollar more, he said. Just, just one dollar more. I just want one more dollar, and that's what we all want. We just want one more. But, hear me, when we share, guess what? We take what we have been given, and we distribute it intentionally to the people that need it most. We take what we've been given, and we distribute it intentionally to the people who need it most. Literally, every single person in this room, or who's listening online, or who will ever hear this message, or anybody who walks on the face of the planet, hear me, has some sort of physical need. At some point in their lives, they're going to have a physical need. Here's what I believe today. I believe it's time that we started asking ourselves this. Can I be the one who can meet that need? Can I be the one who can meet that need? A commentator writes this. There is an attractiveness an energy about a life in which we stop clinging to everything we can get and start sharing it, giving it away, celebrating God's generosity by being generous ourselves. There's an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. I'd like to change that just a little bit. Generosity breeds contentment. Generosity breeds contentment. Are you feeling like you need more? Start being generous. You feeling like you just want something else? Can I encourage you? Start being generous. Feel like you're grasping onto things and they're just slipping through your fingers? Can I encourage you? Be generous. Be generous. The more generous we are, the more content we will feel. Conversely though, the more selfish we are, the more we will want. Last year our theme was reaching out. Looking beyond ourselves, seeing the needs of the people around us. This year our theme is purpose, made for more. You see, I believe this, it's the purpose of every single Christian to see the needs of others and try to help meet them. I believe it's the purpose of every single Christian to see the needs of others and try to help meet them. You say, I don't believe that. Well, let me show you a few verses. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, the Bible says this. As we have, therefore, opportunity. And by the way, opportunity abounds. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Christians ought to be helping Christians. Christians ought to be helping all men. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says this, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I hate that verse. You know why? Because, man, do I want to look at my own things. I want to think about the things that I've got going on and the things that I want to accomplish and this, that, and the other thing about me. But listen, you don't have to look too far to find somebody else who's got it worse off than you do. And this is exactly what the church in Jerusalem was doing in Acts chapter 2. Exactly. 
They weren't concerned about their houses and their lands and, and their stock market prices and all these different things. And, oh, if I sell this now, then I, I won't make as much money if I sell it in six months and manipulating it and think about it. they just like, forget it, man. I'm selling it all. I see somebody that has a need and I'm getting rid of it. This is what they were accomplishing. Acts chapter 2, look with me again in verse 44. The Bible says, and all, 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 all that believed were together and had all, all, all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all, all, all men. Are you getting the point yet? Every, as every man had need, they were sharing what God had given them. And the church honestly was a sight to behold. So let's just stop the message here and start saying everybody ought to be sharing with everybody. Easier said than done, isn't it? I do have to ask myself this question. Does this happen at Bible Baptist? Does sharing this way happen at Bible Baptist? I'm just going to be honest with you. It does happen some. It does. We have this wonderful ministry called the Meal Train. If you're not a part of it and you like to cook, you ought to get on it. There are people who have need, and you know what? We try to make meals for them. So it does happen some, but let me ask this. What about all of us? Every single person, every man looking on the things of others. So let me ask, if this is happening a little bit at Bible Baptist, why doesn't it happen all the time? A better question might be this. Why was it happening here in Acts chapter 2? Why was it happening here in Acts chapter 2? Why was it being successful? Why was the church, why was everything running so smoothly? Well, it was not successful because the apostles were demanding it. That's not why. Nowhere in the Bible do we read the apostles get up and preach a message and say, you need to share. You say, Pastor Yeomans, you're, you just did that. I'm trying to make a point, okay? Follow along. It was not successful because it was being preached at them or commanded to them or they were being coerced into it. Hear me. It was successful for this reason and this reason only because their eyes were on Jesus. End of story. Their eyes were on Jesus. Just a few short days ago in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had ascended into heaven. And he gave the, the disciples their marching orders. Go. Go be witnesses of me. Continue my ministry. Point people to me. Jesus said. Peter preaches a message in Acts chapter 2 all about Jesus. Hey, you know that Jesus that you crucified, your hands put him on the cross? Yeah, he was from God. You know that Jesus who did all of those miracles? You know that Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus? It was all about Jesus. They're looking at Jesus. And by the way, Jesus had promised them, hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. 
And so, listen, this is, these are a few isolated instances where everybody was selling everything because they believed Jesus was coming back then. Just a few days. We don't need these lands. We don't need these houses. Everybody has need. We're going to get them till Jesus comes back. We know still now 2,000 years later, Jesus hasn't come back, but he is coming back. So I'm not recommending everybody go home and sell their houses and sell their lands and get rid of everything that you have. But I am saying we ought to. Why? Not because people just simply have need or just simply because the church in Acts was doing it. But simply because of this. Because it's about Jesus. We are called to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ. And part of that ministry was helping people in need. Their lives revolved around Jesus. Everything they thought about was Jesus. Jesus was the central theme of their entire being. It was all about Jesus. So hear me. It wasn't necessarily about the people. <laughs> you can look at somebody and you can see their need. And it's wonderful if you feel the need to help them out. Listen, but it ought not to be necessarily about the person. It's about Jesus. It's about him. I love this. One commentator wrote this. When our vision of life is predominantly vertical, it radically impacts our horizontal lifestyle. When our vision of our life is predominantly vertical, it radically impacts our horizontal lifestyle. When we focus on Jesus, our life on this earth will be dramatically, dramatically different. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says this, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But notice, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. Notice this, how dwelleth the love of God in him. We walk around saying that we love God, but we see somebody that has need and we say, uh-uh. No thanks. You're not my type of person. The Bible's very clear. How dwelleth the love of God in you? Because of the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, because of the cross, we then can lay down our lives for the brethren. We then can see a brother who has need and help them. It starts, hear me, it starts with the love of God. It was about Jesus. He was their focus. The church at Jerusalem was giving charitably because Jesus was their focus. And he was living through them. He was living through them. Jesus will radically change your life, not only eternally, but here on this earth as well. Let's get real about something today. 
Charity never works long term without Jesus at the center. Charity never works long term without Jesus at the center. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3. By the way, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. But notice what it says in verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So hear me. You can go home today, put a for sale sign at your house, get rid of everything you have, give all of it to the poor, but if you do not have the love of God in you, flowing through you, it profits you nothing. Oh, but it would help the starving children in Africa, and please understand me, I'm all for helping starving children, but hear me, charity without Jesus Christ will not last for eternity. We can meet somebody's earthly good here for a moment, but the question is, what about eternity? There's only one way this can be accomplished. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Order is important in the Bible. Order is important. The first one, the first and great commandment is what? Vertical. This relationship has to be right. If this relationship is not right, I guarantee you this relationship will not be right. So you might be sitting here today thinking, okay, I really don't share the way that I should. I'm worse than a two-year-old when it comes to sharing. Can I challenge you with a thought perhaps this relationship is not what it ought to be listen i can preach up here until i'm blue in the face you ought to share you ought to share you ought to share everything ought to run smooth everything ought to be just perfect we ought to be in harmony we ought to be in unity i can preach up here over and over and over again but listen until you have a great relationship with your almighty father this relationship will not be good. You can make reformation, but you will never have transformation until you have this relationship right. It's impossible. Loving God must be our preeminent focus. He ought to be our one desire. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. When our eyes are on Jesus the meaning of life becomes more clearly seen. When our eyes are on Jesus, the meaning of life becomes more clearly seen. You can ask anybody. Ask anybody who's been on a Red Cross mission to a place that's been devastated by a hurricane. You can ask anybody when they go to that and they give of their time and effort, they can tell you how rewarding it is. It's wonderful, don't get me wrong. 
But look at this. When our eyes are on Jesus. Listen, when our eyes are on Jesus, the meaning of life becomes more clearly seen. When I start getting my eyes on Jesus and notice who he is and what he is and what he's done for me, and then I begin sharing, I begin realizing that my purpose in life is far more important than just meeting the physical needs of this person or that person or the other person. It's far more about pleasing my Savior. And in pleasing my Savior, he will live through me. And guess what will happen? I'll start doing the things that the book of Acts begins to teach. Is everybody following that? I feel like I'm talking to a brick wall today. Smile at me. Shake your head just a little bit so I know you're with me. Listen. Sharing is an important part of the church. But not without Jesus. When our eyes are on Jesus, purpose begins to fall into place. When our eyes are on Jesus, not everything is easy, but everything becomes meaningful. I'll be honest with you, sharing is not easy. It's not easy for a two-year-old, it's not easy for adults. We think we're better at it, but we're really not. It's not easy, but it becomes meaningful. Jesus said, a, a cup of cold water given in my name. That's the purpose. It's in his name. Our purpose on this earth is to be an ever open conduit, which the blessings of God will fall on us so that they can be channeled through us. Let me say that one more time. Our purpose on this earth is to be an ever open conduit in which the blessings of God fall on us so that they can be channeled through us constantly. You know what that's being? That's being a witness of Jesus Christ. Love of God flowing through you to the love of those around you. God giving you a blessing, whatever that may be, financial, spiritual, emotional, Anything, God gives you something, and that allows to be channeled through you to other people. This was the life and ministry of Jesus Christ being played out in the New Testament church. There's a hymn that we sing often. It's entitled, Make Me a Blessing. Verse 2 says this, tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Verse 3 says, give as t'was given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed unto your mission. Be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine. Make me a blessing. Oh, Savior, I pray, make me a blessing to someone today. Let me ask you this question. Are you a blessing? Are you a blessing? You see, you are made for so much more 
than the North American lifestyle. You were made for so much more than a selfish taker. You were made for Jesus to shine through you. And just one of the ways that Jesus can shine through us is by sharing. Keep your eyes on Jesus and share what he has given you. Let me refer you back to our vision statement for Bible Baptist. Very simply, notice, seeking Christ and what? Sharing hope. You might sit here today and you think, I do not have anything of physical good in this world. You can have hope. And if you today sit here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest thing I can share with you today is the hope of Jesus Christ. And if you know that already, but you think, I have nothing physical, I have no money, I have nothing at all, the greatest thing you can share is the hope of Jesus Christ. When we seek Christ, when he lives through us, when our focus is him, guess what will naturally exude from us? What the church here in Acts was showing. They had all things common. They were selling their possessions and their goods to every person that had need. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us this morning. Father, even though the topic here today is sharing, Father, far more important is our relationship with you. So, Father, if there sits one person here today that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that they would make that decision and they would make it now. They would call out to you. Ask you to save them from their sins. Because you took all their sins on the cross. Father, for the rest of us who know that already, would you please convict our hearts? Would you please motivate us? through your love, to love people as you love them. Help you to be our focus. Father, truly, when our focus is on you, we act, we do, we become who you are. So I pray for every single person that hears this message, Father, that this week would be different than last week because our focus is on you. And we begin meeting needs. We begin fulfilling a portion of our purpose in just helping other people. Father, we pray all these things in your name. I'm going to